The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk. The government defeated the no-confidence motion tabled by the Labour Party yesterday morning by 86 votes to 67. Constant heckling from both sides hindered the debate, with some TDs facing criticism for their remarks. Let's have a listen now, starting with Green Party TD for Wicklow, Stephen Matthews. Sinn Féin, on the other half, and Sock Dems indulge in this political theatrics. Deputy MacDonald asks, what planet are we on? One that's on fire and you have no solutions for it. Thank you, Deputy Mac. Deputy Kearns is obsessed with the Green Party. No wonder it's where she gets her ideas and policies from. We remind you of every little hurt. The promises on student fees, protect the vulnerable, all the promises you broke when you got into government. So Vanya says she's going to build a million houses. I wouldn't trust Labour to build a house. If they did if they did cobble something together, the fox would clean it in one night. Do you know what? This debate has been a disgrace at the constant heckling and interruption. Well, joining me now to talk about the aftermath of the spectacle is the political editor of the Irish Examiner, Elaine Lachlan. Elaine, good morning. Good morning, Pat. A a lot of heat. I'm not sure how much light uh, you observed in that debate. Yes, and even if you heard the the final clip there from Ken Corlishano for real, he was forced to make that intervention, basically saying that the the conduct of TDs was disgraceful, um, and there was a significant amount of heckling, shouting, interruptions during that debate, and at times it was pretty hard to hear what uh, the speakers that were actually trying to make points, even if those points were merely political point scoring rather than maybe actual uh, plans or any sort of positive uh, suggestions for the government um, on what they can do on housing because a lot of this debate, while it was a a no-confidence motion, did uh, circle around the topic du jour now, housing and the eviction ban. Now, it was a showcase for the Labour Party. Um, Did they do well out of uh, their, their set piece? Yeah, and usually when you have a, a motion of no confidence, and we've had uh, one before Christmas in this life, the lifetime of this government, and several in the previous government, um, the opposition generally uh, row in behind one another, whichever member of the opposition or whichever group is tabling the motion of no confidence. But it was slightly unusual yesterday when we did hear other members of the opposition almost attack or criticise Labour uh, for you know, their record on housing, their ability to deliver uh, on housing and even the measures that Ivana Bacic did announce over the weekend about what Labour would do in government Mm. and how they would deliver in social housing. So it wasn't a cohesive opposition versus government. It basically was every man for himself and every party wanted to hit out at every other party, whether they were in opposition or government. So quite tetchy. And even when Ivana Bacic or if I, yeah, Ivana Bacic herself, the Labour leader, was speaking on the motion. Um, her own members of her own party uh, were engaged in in off the cuff uh, exchanges with members of government. So it was quite difficult to hear in some instances what she was saying. Mm. Now, uh, there will be a reprieve from this sort of exchange for uh, the Easter break. Yes, we're doll rises today uh, for two weeks of an Easter break. Um, so the government, I'm sure, will be relieved to get those two weeks free of the doll while there will be of course, still work going on at constituency level and ministers will be busy in their offices. The doll will not sit. So we do know that that will give a bit of breathing space to the government. But if you look back 
to the break, a recent break over the St. Patrick's Day, Sinn Féin and other parties in opposition did try their very best, even when the doll wasn't sitting, to keep this on the agenda. Um, they were holding press conferences, they were out and available to media, um, even on your own show, Pat, and were trying to keep this issue alive. Mm. And we do have that date of the 1st of April falling very soon. Um, so that is when the eviction ban will be lifted and when we will see people facing eviction for the first time. So I think members of the opposition will be keeping a tight eye on that. And certainly when the doll resumes, we'll be trying to raise any particular issues within their constituencies or if constituents have come to them with issues in relation to the eviction ban. All right. So uh, this issue uh, put to bed only for the Easter break and maybe not entirely so because of that April the 1st deadline, but certainly to rise again in the aftermath of Easter. You would imagine so, and Sinn Féin have even indicated this week was the second uh, motion they had uh, in relation to the eviction ban. They're not afraid to launch a campaign of motions on this issue. And you would imagine that other opposition parties will do similar in the weeks and months ahead. Yeah. Um, Is there any possibility that everyone will get a bit jaded with it, that it will be repetitive? I mean, there are many hard cases that will emerge, there's no doubt, when people are uh, forced out of their accommodation uh, for various reasons. And we can continue to, you know, bring those to our listeners and I'm sure other programmes will will do the same. But there comes a point of almost uh, a public jadedness with the same issue again and again. Yeah, and we've seen it, unfortunately, I think, Pat, with the numbers of people in emergency homeless accommodation. I remember a time when we were at about 8,000 people in emergency accommodation and there was a real fear that that could rise to 9,000 and even possibly 10,000. We're well above that uh, now and it just seems to be the monthly figures come out and are a slight blip in the news day, in the news cycle, but no real attention, Mm. certainly not the level of attention that maybe was around those figures even a year or two ago. Um, So it'll be interesting. Another contribution I think yesterday uh, from Jim O'Callaghan was pointing to the fact that you can't make good laws based on emotion um, and, you know, having all this emotive language in the doll doesn't necessarily fix or solve the issue and that sometimes hard decisions need to be made. Um, So perhaps that's where the government will go with this and, and the line they may take that laws are difficult to introduce but are for the the greater good and again Barry Cowan another member of government Fianna Fáil backbencher was put in a bit of a a, a spot after his remarks um, was saying that basically extending the eviction ban was equivalent to giving out free sweets for children and that it it sounds fine in the the short to medium term but ultimately is detrimental to the greater need. Now he was highly criticised after that but perhaps that it may be the way that the government may take this issue if it comes up uh, after Easter. Yeah, they'll try to say we are the responsible ones and the noisy opposition are the irresponsible ones. Uh, and we know that will play out uh, to big audiences in the aftermath of Easter. Elaine, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Elaine Lachlan is political editor with the Irish Examiner. Now, all sorts of people have various ideas on how we might better regulate our rental sector to avoid uh, some of the things that have been happening. Uh, a woman called Brenda was in touch with the programme from Germany. She explained in her email to us that her landlord in Hamburg recently attempted to evict 
her. Her friends advised her to get in touch with the Rent Protection Agency, the sort of RTB, and Brenda then discovered that, in her opinion, Germany has better legal protection for both tenants and landlords and believes the Irish government should take note. This is some of what she had to say. And what I find out from the uh, Renters Association is there is very limited grounds here on which a landlord can evict a tenant. One is, of course, if it's very antisocial behaviour going on in the apartment. Another one is if the tenant has failed to pay two or more months' rent, so they're big in arrears. Uh, the other thing is if the landlord needs the house or apartment for their own use, they must demonstrate that through a lawyer, and I think that's fair. We, we have something similar here uh, before the eviction ban was put in place that uh, if you needed uh, a family member to move into the house or apartment, that that would be a grounds for eviction. Also, if uh, you had to sell for whatever financial duress you were under, you, you could sell. And in theory, you could evict if people didn't pay the rent. But the reality is, of course, that if people don't pay the rent, it might take years to get them out. Yeah, I mean, here, I think it could take certainly a few months, not years. It would have, it would have to go through the court. and But in that case, the, the landlord would um, have the protection of the law through the mm. court. And here, if, if the landlord wants to sell, they can do that at any time, but they have to do it with the, the tenant in situ. Now, if I was to sell your apartment with you living in it to someone else who then needed that apartment for a son or a daughter, what then? If the apartment was sold, then the new landlord would also have to prove. First of all, give you the required notice, which is three months if you've been living there for up to five years. Six months notice if you're there five to eight years. And more than nine months notice if you're you're in the apartment for more than eight years. So the landlord would have to give you that notice period or, again, himself demonstrate that he needs it for his own personal use, which will also take a few months. So when they're required to demonstrate that they have a genuine need for it, what form might that take? I mean, does it require uh, a solicitor to uh, guarantee that this is, in fact, what is about to happen? Yeah, it does. It has to be um, agreed by a solicitor. If the existing tenant, for some reason, thinks that that could be a fake letter or, you know, they're just making it up, um, they can argue this again. That will go through the courts. Do you believe there are good protections for both tenants and landlords in Hamburg? Yeah, I think it's fair. I think the the notice period that you must be given is fair for the tenant. In most cases, you'll be able to find somewhere new within three to six months. But of course, sometimes if the landlord really does need the the place for themselves, it belongs to them. And it's fair that there should be reasonably easy measures where they can get the apartment for itself. So I think there's good measures here to protect, first of all, the tenant, but the landlord can also get their way if it's it's approved. And I think, um, you know, Ireland wasn't traditionally a a land of um, renters, but now it is, and they need to find some measures to protect renters because it's becoming increasingly not a homeowner country. Will you stay in Germany? Uh, No, my plan is to come home soon. (laughs) I I came for a year or two and that was six years ago, so hopefully I will go home soon. Well, you better start looking now. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Brenda, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Pat.
Well, another Irish expat, Shane White, he lives in the Netherlands. He was on Moncrief uh, this week and uh, he has set himself up to advise people online how they can get a discount on a property they might be renting. And this is due to a comprehensive Dutch housing point system. Uh, This is Shane explaining how it works. Decades ago, the Dutch government decided that they needed to keep a, a, a check on rent prices to make sure they didn't get out of control. So they established a system where they split the rental market in two. There was the free market sector, which is basically any type of a luxury house or a large house that a landlord is allowed to ask any price they want for in a similar manner to Ireland. And then there was also this category called social housing, where this would be small houses, medium-sized apartments. And these type of uh, homes are regulated, meaning that they are judged based on the number of points they get. You get points based on the number of square meters, you get points based on the kitchen facilities, the energy efficiency, etc., etc. If you add up all of the points for the apartment, you get a maximum legal rent price that the landlord can ask for this property, and that's the basis of the system. Not an awful lot of people are aware of this system, uh, especially not uh, expats. Even Dutch people, they're not particularly well aware of it. And they have this idea that these rules only apply to low-cost council-style housing. I, I was aware of the rules for a couple of years. Uh, last year, I, uh, I moved city and I was looking online and thinking, oh, my God, these guys are asking way too much for this place. I started taking screenshots of the ad and then I would work out using the point system what the maximum rent price was. And I'd put it up on Reddit and I'd say, if there's anyone moving to Utrecht, Here's a place you could get a huge discount on. So that was Shane White speaking on Moncrief uh, this week from the Netherlands. And it's uh, a system we've been advocating on this programme for ages and ages, that every apartment would be rated. Uh, initially, you might just do it in a zoning way. But the idea of the Netherlands, where you know the size of the apartment, the amenities it has, its location, whether it's near the dart or whatever, uh, would be taken into account. The size of the kitchen. So it would mean, for example, that those dockland apartments with micro kitchens could not be charging two and a half grand a month for such a facility co-living instead of looking for 1800 a month uh, they might be rated at only four five or six hundred a month what what is not to like about doing a point system for our apartments it might take years uh, to finally uh, work out uh, because people would challenge the rent set down by the landlord but if the points were laid down in terms of amenity uh, size and location and all of that by uh, local government uh, eventually in time the rent to the rents would be uh, proportionate to the co- the quality of the apartment or house on offer. Uh, why they don't do it? I think it's just laziness. That's all. Just laziness. They, it's too much bother to do something like that. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance weekdays at nine a.m. on News Talk.